Welcome to episode 33 of You Are Not A Frog. Great expectations, why we expect too much of ourselves and how to give ourselves a break. These are really difficult times. The coronavirus crisis has come upon us really quickly and it's hard to know what's going to happen, how we'll all respond and when it's going to end. Now, I often describe doctors as feeling a bit like frogs in boiling water. The pan has been heating up very slowly, but over the last few weeks, boy, has the pan heated up really, really quickly. Now, frogs only have two options, to jump out of the pan or to burn out. I still believe that you are not a frog. Even in these difficult times, you have choices and there are small things you can do to keep yourself mentally healthy, to manage your anxiety and to work in a sustainable and resilient way so that we can be in it for the long haul. I'm your host, Dr. Rachel Morris, GP, Tend Executive Coach and Specialist in Resilience in the Workplace for people in high stress jobs such as doctors. And I'll be talking to friends and colleagues and experts, all who have a helpful take on what's going on and who can share the best resources so that you can look after yourself, make good choices and thrive even through the most challenging of times. Are you constantly stressed and thinking about work? Does your laptop come with you on holiday? Your to-do list have permanent residence in your brain and your worry about how to handle the latest crisis wake you up in the small hours. Then it's time to get your life back and that's exactly what our brand new online course will help you do. It's a 60-minute reset for healthcare professionals to shift your mindset so you can set boundaries and limits around your work without the endless guilt that you've not done enough. It's just £27 and you can get instant access now when you go to shapestoolkit.com slash get your life back. We've also got CPD forms which will help you reflect on what you've learned through the podcast, which you can submit for your appraisal. So if you'd like one of those, click the link in the show notes. So today we have another special joint edition of the podcast recorded with Dr. Caroline Walker, who is the Joyful Doctor. We've also recorded a video that's on YouTube. In fact, you may have noticed that all our uh, podcasts now are on YouTube, so you can watch it if you'd like to. So I'm really pleased to have Caroline um, back with me. Um, Today, we're going to be talking about managing our own expectations, great expectations. Um, I have noticed during the coronavirus crisis, I am expecting a little bit too much of myself and particularly expecting a little bit too much of my kids, of my family, of my partners, and perhaps I just need to dampen down those expectations. I think as as a doctor, I'm used to pushing myself. I'm used to thinking that I can achieve anything whenever I want to. And maybe, just maybe, this isn't quite the right time to be really pushing ourselves. So that's the topic of this podcast. Karen and I, and I discuss this, discuss really why we think we need to be like this. It's quite an automatic reaction, isn't it? And then we think about actually, how can we give ourselves a break? What is it that we can do to look after ourselves? So I hope you enjoy this episode. So welcome to another edition of the COVID Supporting Doctors podcast, myself and with Caroline Walker. Caroline, do you want to just introduce yourself? Yeah, hi Rachel. My name is Dr Caroline Walker. I am an NHS-based psychiatrist and I work full-time as a doctor's wellbeing specialist. Um, I founded the Joyful Doctor, which is an organisation all about the wellbeing of doctors. 
Great, and I'm Rachel Morris. I'm a GP, I'm an executive coach, and I created the Shapes Toolkit. We work with professionals and doctors in high-stress jobs and helping them with resilience in the workplace. And I host of the You Are Not A Frog podcast. So it's great to be back today. And this time, we wanted to talk about expectations because I have noticed in my conversations with lots of doctors, both inside my community, but also with some of my friends and some of my relatives, that we have really high expectations of ourselves at the moment. And a lot of us, I think, are seeing the coronavirus crisis as, yes, something that we have to endure, something we have to get through. But actually, you know, with our sort of capacity for development and for wanting to improve ourselves and wanting to make things better, we're actually seeing it is a time when we can do those things that we never got around to doing we can do those courses or make our gardens amazing or get really really fit or lose loads and loads of weight or do all this professional development and I've been reflecting with some friends actually had all these grand expectations all these great expectations and I'm so far not managed to do a single one <laughs> and is that your experience as well talking to people yeah, absolutely. I mean, I work with doctors mainly, as you know, and doctors tend to have very, very high uh, and unrealistic expectations of themselves anyway, at the best of times. But I think particularly when we go through something a bit stressful or something's changing or our first instinct is to do more, is to be busier, is to be active, is to think, what can I do? And actually, we kind of almost need to do the opposite. We almost need to just go, oh, okay, something else has come along in my life that's going to take up some space mentally or emotionally or, you know, that maybe I need to actually ease back and do less. But that comes, it's a very unnatural thing for doctors. You know, most of us are doers, yeah, and have very, very high expectations of ourselves. That's so true. We are so geared towards action. Only in myself, in any crisis, I'm like, right, how can we solve the problem? What, what can we do? What, what can I do? What can... Yeah. And it's really odd to have this actually keep calm and do nothing. Yeah, I was, I was listening to a GP talking yesterday, actually, and reflecting on exactly this thing. Their first instinct was to just get busy, to do, to try and help, to try and solve the problem, to try and think, OK, how can I fill this space or do this thing or help with this? Or, And they were talking to somebody else who was saying, actually, what they were doing, another doctor was saying, actually, I'm just going to step back and do nothing for two or three weeks and let things unfold and see what might be best to do and it's like that's a really alien concept to us as doctors because we're very proactive yeah we're doers definitely yeah. yeah and why is that our reaction is it a stress reaction or is it a, a sort of god complex reaction that we're the only people that can save things or what is it about us I think it's different things for different people. I think there's lots of things going on, but there are certainly common trends that I see. And I, I actually think a lot of it may be driven by a sort of almost like a low self-worth or a low sense, low self-esteem type underneath that is that we often have as doctors and people often find that very surprising to hear because doctors mm. come across as being quite confident and quite comfortable in their in their own yeah. skin typically but but what I find is that quite often that's a bit of a mask to cover an underlying insecurity that's like actually I don't feel quite good enough or I don't feel I've got you know they don't have that healthy self-esteem so when something happens when they get a bit stressed or a bit it's like they try and compensate to overcompensate to try and you know if I can do something and be useful and be busy then I am a worthwhile so it's very hard for doctors to do nothing because they feel as if that's not okay they feel as if that's not enough 
that they should always be doing something. That's really interesting that we're not enough unless we're doing something. I think that perhaps has been drilled into us from when we were really, really small. Yeah. You know, yeah. to get to med school, you had to get all these GCSE grades and then A-level grades and, you, you know, and it was tough. And, and a lot of us find our worth in our achievements and what we've exactly. done. Exactly. And we, we measure whether we are good enough by how other people react to us and praise us and by our certificates and by our qualifications. And, and actually, you know, often it's rare to come across a doctor that's actually just really okay just being who they are. And it's, I think it's why a lot of doctors struggle to, to leave the profession as well because there's, so, there's something so tied up in their identity of being a doctor that's so important to their sense of being, yeah, good enough, <laughs> being a worthy person in the world. And so when something like this comes along, particularly something like this where there is a health element to it, where it's like a call to action for doctors it absolutely feeds that cycle of like you must step up this is your time and we there's a lot of that language around at the moment isn't there you know to be heroic to Mm. battle to step up to you know come forward and meet you know fulfill your duty and do all of it and and actually there's so there's an implicit message there that it's not okay if you don't do that Mm. that if you choose to not step up to not do something to not be busy right now to not be like doing everything you possibly can to help others that's not okay but actually it absolutely is okay you know it is okay to not be crazy busy every minute of every day in fact Mm. it's essential if we're going to stay well and be Mm. effective as doctors yeah, I completely agree. I think that's why it's so hard for the doctors that are having to self-isolate at home or, or shield or maybe have been redeployed from their usual job. But actually there might be, and I know there are lots of doctors who've been redeployed but aren't being used necessarily because mm-hmm. they might not be as busy in their area as they were expecting to be or something like that. And the feeling of being redundant yeah. is awful as a doctor because actually most of us have never really experienced that before. Yeah, and I, th- I mean, I think it's pretty hard for anybody, but particularly doctors, because we are just generally people who do and keep busy and are always finding, and we're very adaptable and, and we have lots of skills. And, and so we tend to, in any given situation, you know, if you're asked to do a group task, for example, the doctors will just be, get, will get in there and just do it, right, with that kind of approach. But, but I think at the moment, as you say, there's a lot of enforced downtime that kind of goes against the grain and so doctors are left feeling a bit impotent a bit like well what, what can I do what can I do and and our natural tendency is to want to do so we're then frantically searching as you say to like oh well maybe I'll um, do this online course or maybe I'll do this you know get the garden perfect or maybe I'll do and I think to some degree a bit of healthy occupation and distraction is a really good thing right now because when there's a hole, when there's a gap, when there's a ten, anxiety tends to fill that gap. So keeping a little bit busy and a bit occupied and doing something useful is great. So, you know, a bit of gardening or doing an online course is absolutely great. But it's about not kind of frantically trying to fill every minute and having unrealistic expectations of what you might be able to do. Because you might sit there and think one night, you know, oh, I'll do some gardening tomorrow. But you wake up the next day and you just it's the last thing you want to do. Because actually, at the moment, we're all going through something quite big, emotionally. And it's really normal that one minute you might feel really motivated and really on it and and I want to do this. And then next minute, it's like, oh, I feel really deflated and like I can't be bothered. Mm. And that's really, really, really normal. So I think it's about not lowering your expectations, but just adjusting them slightly to take into account what we're going through right now. 
Yeah. And I, I remember just earlier we were talking, you were saying, we're not, I don't never tell people about lowering expectations. It's about adjusting. And yeah. I like that. Yeah, because, well, particularly for doctors or people who have generally high and unrealistic expectations, if you, if you talk to them about lowering their expectations, they kind of get a really visceral, like, oh, no, that's, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be, like, underperforming or, you know, not being as good at my job or not being as good at my parenting. Or people find that really hard to get hold of. So I just talk about adjusting your expectations. So it's kind of just a sideways step. It's like, you know, I might, I've got a, a week off next week, as you know, Rachel, and I'm hoping to do some writing on my book, but I'm not kind of expecting myself to do that writing. I'm kind of saying, okay, there's a space there. I might do it. I might not. Because when it comes to next week, my brain and my emotional state might not be in the right place. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just holding it a little bit more gently, adjusting that expectation. So I might do this as opposed to I'm going to do this and then mm. failing. It feels as if you're failing when you don't do it. Yeah. yeah. So sometimes it's about actually changing the words, our self-talk. So I'd like to do this or I might do yeah. this as opposed to I ought to. I should, or I should. Yeah, should is a big one I'm hearing at the moment. Yeah. Mm. And I, we were sharing, weren't we, earlier about how there's quite a lot of uh, people feeling quite flat this week. Yeah. Do here in the UK? I think we're just hitting mm. a bit where we've been going for quite a while on adrenaline for a few weeks now, lots of high energy. And, and now we're all just feeling a bit like, Oh, you know, tired. It's, it's a bit grueling with the lockdown's been extended. The schools still aren't back. And, and it's kind of feeling like, Oh gosh, we really are in this for the long haul. This is, and the reality is hitting home and it's feeling quite heavy for a lot of people so I think just acknowledging that and having some self-compassion you know towards what we're going through right now not expecting that we would feel really upbeat and energized and motivated all the time you know there will yeah. be weeks like this where it kind of catches up with us a bit and it's a bit harder yeah it's interesting you talk about self-compassion and my observation I guess in myself quite a lot and in others is that doctors aren't very good at feeling their emotions <laughs> and then having compassion on themselves I guess we've been you know just taught that you just have to suppress them and get on with it you know I remember as a junior doctor dealing with a dreadful trauma recess in a and &E, and then like 10 minutes later right onto the next patient go sew up that that hand or you know deal yeah. with that broken toe and there's like no room no room for the emotions like, I think things are probably better better these days in, in hospitals are their understanding about debriefing well maybe the good ones yeah. are you yeah. know the importance but we have got so used to squashing our emotions that when it comes to self-compassion we don't really know how to do that yeah yeah absolutely so so compassion is something that we're all born with as human beings it's a very sort of natural thing that we all have from birth and we tend to learn it as something called the compassion triangle might be helpful to think about so we tend to experience compassion in three different ways so we experience it towards others so that's mm -hmm. the feeling you get when you see that picture of a starving child or somebody yeah. in pain in front of you and you get this natural feeling of noticing their suffering and wanting to relieve it. That's what compassion is. It's noticing suffering and wanting to relieve it. So we all, and doctors have that in absolute spades, right? They are absolutely topped up with that, that compassion towards others. We're very, very good at that. We, we practice that all the time. We do that day by day. Another on the compassion triangle, another aspect of compassion is compassion from others. So that's where, like, say you're having a bad day, like you've done a you know really 12 hour shift and you're absolutely broken, and that nurse comes up to you and hands you a cup of tea. 
right? That's receiving compassion from others. They've noticed that you're struggling and they're trying to do something to relieve it or want to relieve it. And doctors are, we're okay at receiving compassion from others if we're broken enough, I find. So we we don't want to, we kind of brush it off in day-to-day life. We're like, no, no, we don't want to help. We're, We're fine. Thank you. But if we're really broken, if we're really tired, if we're really, then actually it can be lovely and we can receive that compassion from others. The third part of the compassion triangle is to the self. And that's the one where the doctors typically tend to struggle with. So noticing that you're struggling you're suffering yourself and wanting to relieve that or trying to relieve that. But the brilliant thing is about compassion and the compassion triangle is it's all the same thing. So compassion is compassion is compassion. So if you can do it to others, you can absolutely do it to yourself. It just takes practice. So Mm. it's just about noticing when you're suffering and then wanting to do something to help that. And typically doctors will get a bit kind of lost when they first try doing this. So they'll, they'll have a bad day and they'll kind of go, oh, well, I'll crack open that bottle of wine. And that's the way that, you know, they find these ways of trying to be compassionate to themselves, but they end up actually kind of not helping so much. So it's just learning those ways that you would do to someone else that are helpful. So, you know, it's simple things like, you know, if you see someone struggling, you might give them a hug. When you're suffering, you might need a hug. Mm. You know, so it's, it's really simple things like that, but just noticing yeah. when you're suffering and trying to, yeah, find ways to relieve that in a healthy way. All right, let's go really back to basics. How do we notice when we're suffering? Right, because I think we, we have all these emotions yeah. all the time, yeah. you know, anger, and then we get happy. And then, you know, a lot of us find it very difficult to actually yeah. identify that. Yeah, because for many of us, particularly as as doctors and healthcare professionals, where we've, again, had the focus has always been on helping others, we get really good at recognising it in other people, don't we? But we don't get, aren't so good at recognising it in ourselves. And it takes a bit of time and a bit of practice. And I would say it's easier to do it with other people. So if you're Mm. feeling something, it doesn't really matter. I've heard this from a few people lately, actually, a few doctors saying, I don't know what I'm feeling. Actually, Mm. I don't know what I need right now. I don't know if I need coaching or therapy or just to go for a run or I just don't know. Actually just talking through what you're thinking and feeling will help. So you don't need to know the right words for it. You don't need to know. You just need to share it with somebody because Mm -hmm. actually we learn as human beings from each other. So I might say to you, Rachel, oh, do you know what? I'm feeling a bit like, I don't know, a bit snappy today. And then you might say back to me, oh, yeah, I've been feeling a bit irritable too. I think it's because, you know, of this. And so we chat about it and we learn like, oh, okay, it might be this. So I think it's about, it doesn't really matter what what words you put to it or how you do it, but just sharing it with other people I think is really really important you talk a lot about check-ins for teams don't you and and I think that's one way that we can do that for each other in this current environment is to just allow a space as a team to just go around and say how you doing you know and it doesn't matter what words you use yeah it's just putting some name to it you'll then learn from other people you'll be like oh yeah that's yeah that what they just said that that fits Mm. that's I think that's what's going on for me yeah that's so true. I, last week I was talking to a group of really good friends and they're like, how are you, Rachel? I was like, I'm fine. And then I was like, well, I've got this thing on my mind. So by then, by then talking about it, I was in tears. I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't realise that was, I was yeah. so worried about this or it was affecting me so much. And 
you know, often people, so, well, the sort of Myers-Briggs type extrovert personality need to talk to know what they're thinking. There's a great quote from Peter Euston of yeah. you. I love being interviewed. It helps me know what I'm thinking. I get it. You'll push for time. And with over 200 episodes, how do you know which is going to be the one that lifts you out of the saucepan and back to thriving at work? Never fear, the You Are Not A Frog podcast quiz is here. Find out if you're a super squirrel, brilliant badger or mighty mole and I'll send you a personalised playlist with the top five episodes that will make the biggest difference to you. Discover your top of the hops, top five episodes, sorry, and leap into your happiest thriving self again. Just go to youarenotafrog.com slash quiz. And I'm like that. I, I, I yeah. do have to talk it out. And then I know what I'm thinking other people actually like to internalize it and think through. Yeah. And that's fine as well. And it's about finding a way that works for you, I think. Yeah. So if you're somebody who doesn't, if the thought of having to say to someone how you're feeling absolutely dr- puts the fear of God into you, then, you know, maybe listening to podcasts, reading books, mm. or, you know, just, just being curious about what it is you're thinking and feeling actually, you know, just looking, scanning your body and going, oh, what's the feeling here? Is it a tightness? Is is it a pressure feeling? Is it a, is it a kind of skin crawling? Feel? I don't know, just getting curious about it. And just, you can learn a lot about yourself, right? Just by asking, oh, what is this? How do I feel? And that's something we don't, we're not really role modeled how to do that growing up and particularly in something like medicine, um, where as you say, there's not that much of a focus on emotional health and well-being. It is improving, absolutely. Um, but yeah, we're all learning all the time, you know what are these different emotions and and even people like myself who are you know doing this for a living have been doing it for years I've been on my own journey with mental health problems learned a lot about myself even I struggle sometimes to know exactly what it is you know that's going on and that's okay as well yeah really important journey of discovery what I find in myself is that I experience an emotion and then I try to rationalize it and then I try to fix it yeah so yeah typical kind of we're quite in our heads as doctors aren't we yeah yeah so we'll feel something typically it'll be in our bodies actually where it starts there'll be like a tightness in our chest or nausea or a tension or something physical going on or a headache or and very very quickly we will try to intellectualize it we'll try to think our way through it and actually sometimes it can be really helpful to try and just drop back into your body and just notice what's going on in your body actually because emotions are very physical as well as thinky yeah yeah so once we sort of recognize our need for compassion and when we notice when we're suffering yeah well I think there's two questions I've got first how do we then show compassion to ourselves you said you know go and get a hug from someone what if there's no one around what if we're in that position and then my question is then how do we get it from others because I think we're really bad at receiving it from others let's start with self first what other healthy techniques are there for self-compassion so I I actually think the hardest bit is actually just that very first bit is noticing that something's going on so actually having that check in so I remember when I first had my son I was really really struggling with some postnatal depression and some high mood as well and I um one of my health visitors kept asking me what do you need right now and this really stuck with me and I wrote it on a post-it note and put it on my wall next to my chair where I was doing a lot of my breastfeeding and stuff and and I just got into the habit of asking myself what do I need 
right now yeah. so it's not so much actually Rachel the what the answer to that question because isn't what it's about it's actually asking the question mm. in the first place because the answer will be different in you know on any given day at any given time so so sometimes it's I need a glass of water because I'm thirsty or I need to eat because I'm hungry or I need to sleep because I'm tired or I need to get a hug because I feel lonely or I need a hug or I need to cry or I need to it could be anything so I need to read, I need some time to myself, I need some, so the answers are literally limitless, but it's just asking yourself that question, what do I need right now? Yeah, getting really in the moment about it. And, and typically as human beings, if we ask ourselves, if we give ourselves permission to ask that question, we will know the answer more often than not. And if we don't, if the answer doesn't come, you go, I don't know what I need, that's okay, you just wait a little bit. You say, okay, well, I'll just, just wait a little bit and I'll ask myself again in five minutes or 10 minutes or half an hour or it's okay we don't always have to do something it goes back to that idea yeah. doesn't it of like we've always got to fix something or change something but actually with emotions they change anyway naturally then whether you do you you know so you might not know what you need right now but in five minutes time it will become obvious that you're really hungry or you just need to cry or yeah so I think it's about asking the question first of all yeah and I guess there are things that you can do, like for me, if I don't really know what I need, sometimes just getting out and going, we live near, near a lake and just walking around that lake by the time you come back, yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so a little bit of distraction again, a little bit of just taking your mind off the problem. Yeah. It's that idea, isn't it? You put it on the back burner, you kind of stop overthinking it, stop trying yeah. to solve the problem and actually it tends to solve itself. So maybe you go yeah. to bed and you wake up and the solution magically appears, right? Yeah, yeah. so it's sort of, asking your question what do I need right now but and if you know the answer great then you can start to think about how you meet that need if you don't know the answer then maybe just do something else for a little bit and then you know the answer may come so that's really great advice so just stop what do I need right now yeah. and giving your permission to get what you need right yeah. now as well yeah yeah and we're hearing this a lot from doctors at the moment with particularly around difficult issues like PPE for example mm. you know because Again, we get very up in our own heads trying to solve the problem. So there are doctors out there who are kind of desperately trying to work out how they can access enough PPE. And actually, if we stop and just think, what do they need right now? They need to be safe. That's what they need. And actually, the decision may be, and it's a very hard one, but the decision may be to not do, go to see that patient because you haven't got adequate PPE. Because actually, if you think, what do I need right now? Well, I need PPE. Is the PPE there? No. Then what do I need right now? Well, I need to be safe. So what do I do? Well, I keep myself safe. And that's really hard. And we have done another, we've done a, a webinar on moral injury, haven't we, Rachel, talking yeah. about how that, that can then generate, you know, other difficult feelings. But I just think it's a good point to illustrate that if you just keep asking yourself that question, what do I need right now? Mm. You will get to the right answer eventually. Even if the thing you need isn't there, so like you alluded to actually really nicely that you might need a hug but there's no one there to give you a hug so it's like well how could I get that need met without there being someone there to give me a hug and, and uh, you can hug yourself I know it sounds ridiculous but you can <laughs> actually and because we as human beings we love touch yeah. we love to feel held yeah. so actually yeah. hugging a teddy bear or I know it sounds ridiculous but it but actually it meets a little bit of that need until you can then meet it yeah. with when somebody is available 
Yeah. Or even doing something like just having a bath, which is very physical. Yeah, isn't it? it's that a very, you the, yeah, it's a cocooning, warm, warm yeah. Yeah. connecting yeah. with, sort of, you know, phoning a friend. Is it, well, obviously not in the bath well. Yeah. Well, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Depends what sort of friend it is. <laughs> oh, we'll start a new Zoom trend, Zooming from the bath. Brilliant. I love it. Yeah. Um, you're right. It's about what's that hug going to give me? Well, it's going to give me a yeah. sense of safety, warmth a physical feeling well how else could I get that maybe a hot water bottle or a bath or yeah yeah absolutely I was just thinking actually what's the underlying question you need to ask so I need PPE why I was thinking do we ask why I don't like the question why it's too harsh but what's that going to give me what's the PPE going to be it's going to make me feel safe I need a hug what's that going to give me it's going to give me human connection and love okay I need human connection and love yeah what do I need right now yeah. I need a glass of wine. Okay. Yeah. What's, What's that, that going to give me? That's going to give me a sense of, well, a relaxation and just being able to let things go a bit more. All right. Mm. Is that, that's fine to have that glass of wine, but if you're feeling that you maybe need an entire bottle of it right now to get that, what else could meet yeah. that need? Exactly. Yeah. So that's a bit about compassion for ourselves. You know, I was talking with an elderly acquaintance the other day who is an ex-GP. And he is at home, self-isolating like he should be. He's sort of mid to late 70s. But he was really struggling with the fact that his 60-year-old neighbour had offered to go and get him his prescriptions for him. Okay. And he was saying, well, we're going, well, why are you struggling with that? Well, because, you know, he's putting himself at risk and, you know, I could just go and get it. You're like, yes, but you're nearly 80 and he would really like to do this for you. He, In fact, that would... Yeah. He said, oh, yeah, he's very keen to do. I said, of course he is, because actually giving to others is yeah. a well-being factor. It makes us feel good. It's a way that he feels he can help in the coronavirus crisis. Yeah. But, you know, this person was very, could not, found it very difficult to accept. I think they've been a GP all their lives. And yeah. they always were always caring for others. Always the person that cared for others. So I think we yeah. are really bad mm. at receiving this from others, compassion, yeah. help. I think we're not practiced at it, I would say. I think we can do it, like I said, with the compassion triangle. When you can give compassion to others, you can give it to yourself and you can receive it from others. You just need to practice and it gets easier with practice. Like everything else, it gets easier. So, and you're spot on. That person, them allowing them to help you is a gift to them because human beings love to help Mm. other human beings we just love it so every time you say oh no thank you that's really kind but no thank you you're actually denying that person an opportunity to feel good about themselves and to do something useful and helpful so so although it comes from a very good place often doctors don't find it very hard to accept help from others it comes from a place of wanting to try to do it themselves and to not burden other people Actually, I think we have to recognize that in doing that, we are, we're actually not allowing that other person to be the full human being and that they have the wonderful experience of being able to help people that we get as doctors. So as doctors, we get to help people all the time. And we know how good that feels, right? We all know, if we're honest about it, it feels amazing when somebody says to you, thank you, that, you know, thank you, doctor, that was great. You made me feel so much better or you reassured me or thank you so much. Couldn't have done that. You know, it does feel really good. And and if you can let others help you, it gives them that feeling. 
and it does get easier i promise i never used to accept help from people ever now oh my goodness it's one of the first things i try and do if i'm struggling i'm like okay who can who can help me with this and i, I like mm. i almost try and list out you know well that i could ask this person this and this person this and, and they absolutely love it and they'll say people will say if they can't do it for whatever yeah. reason yeah. yeah so practically what can doctors ask of other people at the moment oh anything and everything i mean anything you think of like you know we're seeing great examples aren't we of uh, food being delivered to hospitals people picking up medications and and food shopping for doctors that can't get out to the shops or i mean just honestly anything and everything we're going back to that question what do you need right now ask that and then whatever that is you need you can ask for that so it might be a basic physical need like food and water it might be an emotional need it might just need actually would you mind if I just phoned you and just told you about my day because it was really tough so anything literally anything so one thing that's in the back of my head I know that when we sort of read a lot about self-compassion and I've I've got the bit by Tara Brack um, about the rain therapy and stuff and a lot of it is about recognizing and stuff and a lot of it talks about sort of these meditative practices and mindfulness and things like that how can mindfulness and meditation and all those sorts of things help with sort of self-compassion and adjusting expectations and all, all those sorts of things yeah i mean they absolutely can help i think they are quite tricky too if you've never done them before so i go lightly to start with and just try with something like an app or there's lots of free apps out there at the moment for frontline nhs workers things like headspace and calm and i think where they can be really helpful with self-compassion is they can help you to start to notice what you're feeling in the moment more easily so I practice a bit of mindfulness if I don't do it very often I forget we sort of go into autopilot and then that's when you do find that you you know you come home and you reach for that extra glass of wine or that extra chocolate bar or you snap at your partner without thinking about it whereas when you practice something like mindfulness or meditation on a regular basis it is a practice it's not like a one-off thing when you do that you become it becomes much easier to notice what you're feeling so then you might get back after a bad day and be like oh crumbs okay I'm actually really struggling today that was a tough day okay all right what do I need and so it can just give you that little bit of space I would say where you you're more in tune with what's going on internally and then you can actually then you have a choice as to how you respond to that in a more healthy way so I think that's the biggest way in which it can help at the moment. I mean, generally it lowers levels of anxiety. It can help you to feel more focused. But I think it's about just having more awareness, I guess, of what you're feeling and going through in a moment to moment basis. Yeah. I think it can also maybe help with the, you know, when you recognise, ah, I'm all like this, what do I need? Yeah. Sometimes what I need is to calm down and, and that can, can really help. Yeah. And it yeah. never... You know, I've been trying to do yeah, 10 minutes of mindfulness a day. I use Headspace, which I really love. It's really great. But it never feels like I'm achieving anything because it's, I don't have this like result at the end of it. So it, again, yeah. it's one of it's I think practicing meditation is a self-compassionate thing to do, which is much more about being rather than doing you know if I do 10 minutes a day I'm not going to get a certificate in mindfulness practice (laughs) hasn't she been good and hasn't look what she's achieved yeah it's not about that (laughs) yeah so it's not something you achieve but it's something that will make you feel a lot better and actually long term you will achieve I think you'll achieve more if you manage to sort of manage your mind yeah 
Yeah, absolutely. And it, it goes back to what we were saying right in the beginning, that as doctors, we particularly find it quite hard to, it's not about doing nothing, but it's just about sitting with your thoughts and your feelings, isn't it? And noticing them and not judging them. And I think that's something we really struggle with as doctors. So, so mindfulness is essentially a non-judgmental observance of what the mo- what's happening in the moment. And as doctors, we're highly critical. So we'll be sitting there trying to do our mindfulness activity. And it's like, oh, oh, my mind's wandered off again. Oh, oh, I can't do this. Oh, everyone else looks really blissed out and happy. Oh, why can't I do this? And so our internal monologue is like a very critical kind of like, oh, you're not doing this right. It's a judgmental. It's harsh. So mindfulness can be really helpful with that because you can learn how to not be so judgmental of your moment to moment experience it's like okay you know today I feel a bit sad or today I feel a bit angry that's okay yeah yeah and self-compassion I think is about getting rid of the judgment on ourselves yeah of, you know it is yeah I'm rubbish I'm not coping very well I'm, I'm a bit useless I'm weak you know not like all those you know for some reason it's okay for patients to feel stuff not for us, you know, for patients yeah. not to be coping because, you know, they're under a lot of stress, but no, but we, you know, so let's, yeah. get rid, let's get rid of that judgment yeah. about what we should or shouldn't be feeling. Yeah, absolutely. So Caroline, if, if people were particularly struggling with this and want to find out more, are there any sort of resources around self-compassion that would be helpful? Yeah, I mean, just Google it. You know, as with anything, there's so much out there. I love the stuff that Deborah Lee and Paul Gilbert do. They've got some great books around compassionate theory, mind theory and compassionate ways of working with different types of problems. I suspect Deborah Lee's certainly done a book about the compassionate approach to trauma therapy. And I suspect some of that stuff's going to be very helpful for people in the coming weeks and months as we face more trauma through COVID-19. Yeah, Google, compassionate mind theory, compassion focused therapy, that sort of thing if this interests you there's lots and lots of stuff out there but again just bring it back you know how to be compassionate right all it is is noticing suffering and wanting to relieve it that's all it is i would just invite people to practice it actually so just to check in what am i feeling right now what do i need right now yeah and yeah that's it and every day ask yourself what have i done to show compassion to myself today yeah what do i need great and so just a, a reminder to people as ever if you are struggling and you need some help then please reach out and get it and the health practitioner program has all sorts of resources there you can get one-to-one help you can access webinars anything else on there I mean it's just everything yeah so the website is practitionerhealth.nhs.uk and they have a fantastic covid well-being resource page there's a wonderful calendar on there now where you can see all the different daily things that are going on there's mindfulness classes for free there's drop-in common rooms where doctors can just drop in and and show compassion to one another and and just share what's going on there's also the i just want to highlight the national frontline worker support line that you can call any day 7 a.m to 11 p.m and the number is on the practitioner health website there's also a 24-hour text line you can text frontline to 85258 85258 just writing that down yeah and and of course you know reach out to your own networks and many i know hospitals and departments are putting on their own well-being stuff lots of you in facebook groups communities do reach out to us if you'd you'd like to get in touch we'll put all our our details in the show notes yeah please do yeah So Karen, thank you so much. That was really helpful. My pleasure. And we'll see you again for the next episode. Yeah, look forward to it. Thank you. Bye. Bye. 
Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please share it with your friends and colleagues. Please subscribe to my You Are Not A Frog email list and subscribe to the podcast. And if you have enjoyed it, then please leave me a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. So keep well, everyone. You're doing a great job. You got this.